Dre, Pinch here from Pocono. Uh, you're not here. I don't know why you're not here. I'm a little upset. I'm personally offended uh, that you decided to not spend your birthday with me. But uh, I'm going to let it go this time as long as next year we see you at a racetrack. Happy birthday, bud. All the best. Hey, remember the time when I used to host this show? <laughs> wasn't wasn't that a fun time for everybody involved? I'm back. Hello, everybody. What? Who is this stranger and where's RJ? <laughs> He's tied and gagged in the back. Um, now <laughs> I'm here to reclaim my throne. It's an iron throne, and it's got me in it. It's your friendly neighborhood host, the return of Andre Harrison. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 208 of Motorsport 101, and I am back for the first time in three weeks. Hello, everybody. I'm not here via seance or message or post-production. It is actually me in the flesh. Good to see you, everybody. Glad to be back. Glad to be back. Um, of course, the, the, one, the one of the two weekends I'm not around, all hell breaks loose in terms of news, chaos, and carnage, and of course, I wasn't around for it. I think I came back to a good... I think I came back at a good time, though. Uh... <laughs> Or did I? Um, maybe not. Oh, maybe not. <laughs> okay, let's let's we'll, we'll figure this out in a minute. <laughs> in the meantime, let me introduce our friendly guests to the show as well. First of all, happy birthday, Mister Ryan Eric King. <laughs> Bit late, but good job. Thanks. I wasn't here for two weeks. <laughs> Uh, it's not my fault you're precisely 360 days younger than me. <laughs> it happens. Yeah, for those guys that don't know, me and King's birthdays are literally five days apart. King's was on the 12th a week ago, and uh, mine was on the 17th. So it was actually my birthday on Saturday as well. So, uh, yeah, uh, King's now 26 and I'm 27. Hooray. Um, so, you know... That's fun. Also, I'm not mad at all because Paul Pogba's just missed a penalty. Fantastic. <laughs> it's the old curse of recording during the United game on the podcast. It's uh, fun. <laughs> that old tradition is back, so that, that could be interesting. <laughs> and joining us again this week is Cam Buckley. Hello, sir. Hello. Increasingly regular boy here. Increasingly regular. Yes, he's he, he starting paying the rent now as well. He's not just on the couch like Zoe was back in the day. <laughs> Boy, I've been paying the rent the whole time. <laughs> That's not what these backdated checks say. <laughs> Can you're supposed to take care of those. I swore, I swore, I said them in. Oh, dear, oh, dear. While, uh, while, Cam, while Cam deals with the bailiffs... I'll quickly address uh, some of the bases you can find us real quick before we can actually start chilling out and talking about some things. Uh, we're on YouTube.com forward slash uh, Motorsport101. I may or may not have uploaded a video in my two-week hiatus. Um, apparently, it went down pretty well. And by well, I mean it exploded. Um, 3,700 people have watched the latest episode of the Dre Brief talking about Pierre Gasly may or may not have been demoted from Red Bull because we've never seen this before out of their camp. Um, so, yeah. Never happened. 
Yeah, uh, shout out to all the Dutch people out there who went out and told me I suck. Um, that's, uh, I, I very much appreciate all your support. It's, uh, you know. If you make them rage quit, you win. <laughs> Hooray! Uh, I'd like to think I'm doing a public service at this point, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> we're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. Thanks, everybody, for getting us to 500 Twitter followers on there. Much appreciated. Thanks, everybody, for all your support on there. Um, and we are also... Um, or, oh, by the way, our personal handles, you can follow us at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, and at CamBuckley917. Just take out the vowels for Cam's username if you want it properly. It's unpronounceable C without Buckley, vowels. That's uh, Yeah, th 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 that works. We'll go with that. And if you really, really, really like us and you'd like us to back us financially yeah. on, Patriots, on Patreon, you can. Patreon.com forward slash... And Motorsport 101. $5 gets you early access to all of our shows. $10 gets you into the supporters club of our Discord server where you can listen to these shows live as they go out. Massive audience again this time around. Thanks everybody uh, for joining us. we got Tony here, we got Rezzy, we got Vince here, Josette's here. Hi, hi Vic, um, Henry, Steve as well. Um, totally not spicy pre-show as well. Like honestly, sometimes some of our best stuff doesn't even make it into the show. It is well worth backing us on that level because we get some juicy stuff. Like we had, we had Chris Harde in here before uh, we even started the show. Sadly, he couldn't make it because he had the uh, the full-time job came calling. But uh, some uh, spicy stuff came out of Pocono, to say the least. And we're not even talking about the race itself yet um, on this one. But which reminds us, he didn't tell us, but a certain someone was down there this weekend. Isn't that right, Ryan King? <sighs> yes, yes, I did get the opportunity to actually go to the race in person. How was it, my friend? Uh, it was... It was a fun experience to be down there. Uh, Any Paddock is very, very open. Uh, you pretty much, if you have access to the paddock, you can walk right up to the back of the haulers. The drivers are usually hanging around. I, I do notice that on social media a lot, that their paddocks seem to be extremely open and... Uh... You know, they are always around, and, you, like, you get all the fan coverage and the support, as I later found out on Saturday. Um. <laughs> yeah, um, a certain Mr. Andre Harrison got a phone call. From one James Hinchcliffe. <laughs> I was just, like... Holy shit. Um, <laughs> uh, as you may have heard in the intro, um, yes, uh, this this was a, a... For those guys that don't know the full backstory, uh, one uh, our former host and big long-time friend of the show, Zoe Hamilton, was out there for her first ever IndyCar race, so congrats to her. Um, I know she played a big part on... Uh, uh, a, a big part of the weekend. This has been a, a, a big-time dream of her, so congrats to Zoe for getting out there for the first time. And... Uh, she spotted James Hinchcliffe in the back of the paddock at the SPM garage, and, uh... She <laughs> yeah, she got him to record me a birthday message, and it was the most amazing thing. It was it was adorable. It is, it is peak James Hinchcliffe. It is every bit of the James we know and love from the series, and it was hilarious, and it made my day. Um, and, like, about five minutes after she sends me the text with the video on it, 
she calls me up, but just just to, you know, just to say hi and to just, you know catch up on the paddock, say she's met everybody, and you know, obviously meeting up with uh, Connors and Liz and, uh, and Lizzie as well, and all and all the uh, guys that were over there making it that she knew. And the next thing you know, she spots James walking out of the portaloo um, again on the way past. And next thing you know, it's like like James, James, it's Dre on the phone. Have a word, and I'm like. <laughs> Next thing you know, I'm hearing James Hinchcliffe, and I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> I was, for the first time in a long time in moments before, I was genuinely a little bit starstruck. Um, I was like, oh shit, <laughs> it's James. And we actually had a, a, a nice conversation for a couple of minutes, joking about how I called him the Deadpool of the IndyCar series, and that was me, and he actually remembered that. And I was like, oh wow, that's... Uh... Really sweet, and uh, James has now insisted that I have to now save money to go to an Indy car race next year. So that's now that's that's now a thing, apparently. Um, so uh, that's uh, that that's am- that, that's amazing. Um, now we know what the Patreon fund's going towards. <laughs> yeah, and um, note you might not be the only one saving up for an Indy car race next year. In fact, maybe the biggest Indy car race. Ooh, spicy. Spicy, to say the least. Um, but, uh, yeah, apparently I mean told that Richmond's the one you might want to go out to. I know it's rumoured to be coming back on the calendar because um, reasons we'll get into in about half an hour's time. Well, but, uh, well, uh, a Scottish person recommended to another Scottish person that Gateway's the place to be. <laughs> and nah, who uh, could that be? That is... Uh, you know, three-time Indianapolis 500 champion, Dario Franchitti. Dario, who apparently is only fed with copious amounts of tablets. Oh, God. Um, Dario looked like he was going <laughs> to eat himself to death yesterday. <laughs> like, he, he, like oh, unfortunately now, Dario can no longer wear any of the 15 white shirts he owns because Zoe has now fed him so much tablet, he can no longer fit in them. <laughs> Way to go, Zoe. Yo, Great so, job. So, so he, he put it on the pit wall, and because of how hot it was, it started to melt. And he realized this, and he was like... He, he's like, I'm going to put it in the icebox by, in field by Felix's car. He put the tablet in the icebox. I love it. That, that's that's peak Scottish shithousery. Like, I, that's that's hilarious. Um, <laughs> brilliant stuff. Oh, bless. I, I know there's many, many a story that we could get coming out of Pocono. I mean, King, if you got anything you want to share about the weekend that you can share on on podcast format um, before we get into the nitty-gritty of it properly? <laughs> uh, I would say it'll be a half story. Uh, just a little hint. Um, so... One one of the drivers in the field owns a brand new 2019 Honda Civic Type R. Right. Light gray. Uh, mm-hmm. Dark gray, you know, aftermarket's parts manufacturer stickers all over the car. Red trim. And right. almost hit me with it. <laughs> hit me with it in the past. Sign it up, boys. We have another member of the podcasting family who nearly got run over in a paddock. <laughs> we can add it to the list of Lewis Sutterby and Rebecca James. <laughs> and King, <myself>. you're in. <laughs> once, <laughs> I, once I almost got run over by Martin Truex. On a I, I won't openly name who the driver was, but on Twitter, take your guesses. Take your guesses who you think it was. 
yeah, the, you know, that that's fun. You know what, I will gift you early access of an episode if you are able to correctly guess on Twitter who nearly run over Ryan King. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a hint, they're North American. <laughs> and the fact that he's driving a Honda should at least narrow it down. Yeah, that should narrow it down. Yeah, you, you'd think. So, uh, have fun with that, and, uh, yeah, good luck. Um, who says we don't look after anybody on this show, right? Um, yeah. so, so Unfortunately kick- for you, Dre, you're not going to be able to go see your mans. Because I'm going to fire him into the fucking sun over Sunday. Why would you want to fire James into the fucking sun? Oh, I have my reasons. Oh, are you mad that Will Power found a way to overtake your mans? I'm mad that your mans held up my mans. And? It's not my fault Pagano couldn't follow shouldn't have been on the racing line 10 miles per hour off the pace. Blue flags are mandatory. They don't have to listen to them. We know this. Go pass him. (laughs) You you, going to fight me anymore, Cam? Or what? (laughs) James Hinchcliffe is now the... He's the new James Davison. Changed my mind. How dare you! <laughs> like, guys, I don't think Cam's going to be on the show again. I uh, just thought I'd uh, point that out before I yeet him off this balcony. Um, I, gre- I greet death as an old friend. <laughs> oh dear. Should we get into the nitty gritty of Pocono itself? I think we should. Ooh, before King <laughs> gets run over. Itself. Oh, we got a lot of shit to get through here, boys. Oh, you have no idea. I think for the first time in a long time, we're going to need to talk about practice. Yeah. Talk about practice. Or the lack of it, in a sense. You'll see what I mean after this quick musical interlude. Ladies and gentlemen, Pocono. And uh, if you've already heard the news regarding this race and the general firestorm that has followed it, this is going to be an interesting one. It kind of started really on on the Friday itself before the race um, regarding practice. Well, we didn't really get one until late in the afternoon. Um, main reason being, we had rain. And not only rain, we had all sorts of stormy conditions. Um, So scheduled qualifying was cancelled. We didn't get a qualifying session when anyone's not aware of IndyCar rules. In the event of a qualifying session being cancelled, the grid takes up basically championship order. So uh, Joseph Newgarden was basically handed pole position. Hooray! And it was, it's, 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 it's hilarious because they put up the the massive NTT like the massive NTT pole winner award banner in front of his garage, and it's like, oh come on! <laughs> <laughs> yes, but technically he did win pole, but come on! I don't I mean, think I don't F1 think he's media has been. Channeling the same energy with Vettel versus Leclerc. 
I don't, that's the thing, I don't think they actually count it as a pole position on the official IndyCar website. Um, because I think, um, because I just checked it, I just checked it now. Joseph's only got one pole position. Did, like, did, did, did Joseph have a pole position earlier this season that I've forgotten about? Think, people! Give me one (laughs) second, I can check the stats for you. Uh, no. This is the only time he's been on pole. Wait, no, uh, Detroit 2. Yeah, Detroit 2. I was going to say, I thought Detroit Race 2, that was the one I was thinking of. It wasn't he on pole for that, and he was. Yeah, so he technically wasn't given the official... It was started from pole, but he wasn't officially credited with pole position, if that makes any sense. It's a yeah. bit like a World Superbike Sprint Race, only <laughs> they changed the rule on that, and now they actually count. It's not confusing at all, honest. Um, so, yeah, they, t- they took the grid in championship order, so... Uh, New Garden and Rossi side by side to start the race with Pagano and Scott Dixon sharing row two, with Will Power and Ryan Hunter Ray sharing row three. Um, this totally wasn't spicy and would not lead to anything disastrous whatsoever. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, but basically, we, all the running we had going into this race was a two hour practice session. And it's amazing given how like fast Simon Pagano was in the early going, given he missed a good half an hour. Of that practice session with a clutch problem early on. Um, yeah, remember that. Um, it becomes important later. <laughs> and also yeah. note that um, some of the fastest cars were those lower in the championship. Like fastest in practice, Tony Kana. That was a weird one. That, that, that's just unexplainable. Like, well, like, 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 what the hell's going on here, people? Wait, fast. What huh? year is this? <laughs> 2006, oh, oh. clearly. You're, you're telling me it's the ABC Supply 500 and AJ Foyt is sponsored by ABC Supply? Take the tinfoil hat <laughs> off. Come on. Oh, no, I'm just get saying out, that they King. had to get their shit together for this one weekend. <laughs> I was like, King, King, like, Jesus, you, you chose a weird time to suddenly be a Valentino Rossi fan. Um, <laughs> but, uh, the amount of tinfoil going on in your head up there, so that's, uh, that's pretty wild. Don't kick. Don't kick anyone off a motorcycle, please. I won't. King, you be better than that. Look, please don't. I almost got spared by a hinges pit bike. I'd have paid good money to see that. <laughs> oh my god, Trey. It's like, like, yeah, I'll, I'll take 50 bucks on King becoming roadkill, please, by the nicest Canadian on earth. Um, I'm down. It'll be, it'll be an extremely polite spear. Uh, I'm down. But uh, no, we got to the race itself on on Sunday afternoon, and uh, well, let's just say drama happened very quickly. Um, Rossi is slow off the line. He admitted after um, he was interviewed after after his uh, incident, shall we say, which we'll get to in a, shortly, that uh, he was caught out by New Garden stopping and starting basically before the uh, restart line. For when yeah. the the race went green for the first time, it caught Rossi out, and then Rossi immediately, um, immediately uh, lost lost ground to uh, Simon Pagano, who went went up into second place past turn one, and actually took took the whole shot on took the lead early early doors. I'd but say uh, Newgarden basically threw himself off because Pagano got an enormous run down to turn one. Yeah, pretty much. Like Pagano got a rocket start basically, um, and. I, I'm absolutely sure the first restart afterwards, Pagano completely jumped, but hey, who cares, right? But, um, yeah, 
those two are taking off into the distance. Dixon is is following them through. Slightly further behind them, Rossi has lost more momentum off the off of turn one. He's now going three wide with Ryan Hunter Ray to his left and Takuma Sato to his right. Takuma Sato, and I'm being generous here. His spotter probably doesn't realize how far ahead he is of Alex Rossi's car. Takuma turns into Rossi's car, and this starts a five-car wreck at 210 miles an hour on the run towards turn two. Um, it's a huge wreck. All three of the leading guys side-by-side side all get tangled up into the inside wall, bounce off into the outside wall. Um, James Hinchcliffe gets collected on the outside again. as again at, at Pocono. He has a really bad knack for this now. And uh, as well and as Felix... significantly. Yeah, Felix Rosenquist gets clipped on, on, on the outside. He has nowhere to go. He gets clipped and launched over the barrier into the catch fence. Um, Sato's car ended up upside down. Felix had moved so far forward off his off his wreck that the uh, safety team took several minutes to get up to his car to check if he was okay. Thank he was sent to the trauma center for further examination, but uh, thankfully everybody would eventually be cleared with no real significant injury, thankfully, to report, because it was a nasty one. It was a real nasty one. Felix was yeeted into the catch fence. Um, yeah, so Felix Rosenquist is ridiculously lucky that he where he hit the catch fencing mm. it was in the perfect spot to not hook a pole like what happened last year with the one and only Robert Wickens this yeah. could have so easily been a carbon copy of that crash yeah he was extremely lucky in that since he was launched into the fence he, he, went, he went straight over the top of the barrier into the catch fence Luckily, he didn't snag a pole which is amazing given the front of his car was wrecked off it, was, it reminded me a lot of Robert yeah, ripped the front of the tub off yeah, it was like, it reminded me of Robert Kubica's crash at Canada, I think in 2007, where it's just like the whole front of the tub's come off. It's It was a scary one. But uh, Felix was able to leave this, his car under his own power. He was given the once over. He was okay. Everybody else was okay, even though Sato's car was upside down by the time it, it had stopped moving. But again, thankfully, everybody was okay in the end. But uh, the, oh, this. The, it, the, this the it, discourse it, after this. This, on social media, yeah. on the broadcast, and between the drivers, was wild. Yeah, well, this, this the only word for it. Well, like this, let's let's talk about exactly what happened afterwards. The fact that they had the red flag view event for forty five minutes. Yeah, it was a fifty yeah. minute red flag, basically, um, to fix the fence, and it was not a good look. That in the middle of that fifty minutes uh, red flag delay. They are seen, like, patching together part of the catch fence with zip wires. And I'm just thinking, oh, God, this is a horrible fucking look. Um, yeah. Zip ties and chicken wire to hold in 210-mile-per-hour carbon fiber missiles. Ugh. It was ugly. And as, as mentioned, social media exploded. Now... For those guys who may be new to the show or new to the series in general, who maybe don't follow IndyCar quite as strong, this is the third major accident at Pocono in the last five years. Um, 2015, um, there was a mother of unfortunate incidents with Karam hitting the wall and a piece of bodywork hitting Justin Wilson that sadly took his life um, in 2015. Um, last year, as we all know, Robert Wickens had that hellacious accident. Um, 
uh, last year when he got clipped by Ryan Hunter Ray and he got sent into the fence and snagged the pole um, in the catch fence, which, you know, caused life threatening injury, which he's still recovering from now, as you've probably seen. Um, and now this five car wreck that, uh, that uh, took place last night at, at the time of recording. And this is, it's, it's a weird one because we have a lot of friends on this show. A lot of people that have been guests, a lot of people that have been supporters of us that, you know, are semi-frequent race goers, like Connors, you know, like Elizabeth Blackstock and etc. You know, many people that, you know, write for Jalopnik that are in this space and, you know, journalists in this space or have gotten into media centres like King has now. Lucky git. Um, it goes on. We know a lot of people and there was, from people that were close to us on this show, there was certainly a vibe of... Like this, this, this is like the. This was like the one incident too many, I think, for a lot of people regarding there was, this track. Th- there was a lot of discussion, unfortunately, on the two extremes of the spectrum, where some were saying, you know, mm. burn this track to the ground and never come back, and then the other side of, oh well, people are paid to take the risk, mm. and. I don't necessarily think either side is completely right. I really don't think the people saying, oh, you're paid for the risk are right. But you have to look at the incident. You have to look at each incident on its own merits, on its own situation. Yeah. It's just a problem of, you know, the emotional factor. This is the third wreck that we've had here that has either ended horribly or could have ended horribly if it you know, a car ended up a couple feet in one other direction. Yeah. Obviously, Wilson, you know, didn't have... Was, was horrendously unlucky in what happened to him. Yeah, I, I think feel, with, with I the feel, Wilson one, mm. you know, that was, I think, more a flaw with the design of the car, having yeah, a piece absolutely. of ballast in a nose. And to have that situation the way it was, IndyCar rectified that immediately, but that Indeed. never should have been the case in the first place yeah the, the point i was getting at here is that yeah. you know like it we are emotional as fans and when these things happen in the heat of the moment people are going to say hot takey extreme stuff and you know that's always been a thing in motorsport i i i, I, I said to these to these guys in the pre-show that uh i was going to do a dreamy episode on this incident and I actually changed my mind. I've not. I don't do that very often regarding this. Normally, when I've got an idea for a video, I'm, I'm dead set on it. I will do it, one by hook or by crook. I actually changed my mind for the first time in a long time about it, and I don't normally do that. And the reason being was because I was actually genuinely conflicted um, dealing with this incident in real time and actually sleeping on it and thinking about it a bit more. Because when I do drape beef episodes, and not to get too self-indulgent here, but I normally, when I go into writing the script for them, I normally have a good idea of the overall points I want to make before I start writing it. This time around, I was so unsure of myself that, you know, I I couldn't write anything with true confidence. And it reminded me a lot of the Hamilton-Vettel-Baku clash. That, if anyone remembers that episode, I did a couple of years ago. Where that was, that was the first time I was genuinely not sure where I was going with it. Because... Like, 
there was no precedent for it, and that's what kind of made it so unique. Like, there was no real horrendously bad take because we hadn't seen something like that before on track. And it's the similar thing here where there was a lot of very vast hot takes regarding this. And uh, it's it's hard to know where to start on this one because I don't think this crash itself was an inherent Pocono problem. It wasn't. It was... Uh, and again, I'm, I'm, be, I'm being very generous here when I say that Takuma Sato got that completely wrong. And in, in hindsight, you know, looking at the video from his car, he wasn't as 100% to blame as it looked from Rossi's car. But still, that was utterly atrocious racecraft from a 10-year veteran of the series, Indianapolis 500 winner, and someone having a great year in Takuma Sato. Mm, great season. And one of the best drivers on planet Earth right now, also an Indy 500 winner, and second in the championship right now, Alexander Rossi. You can... It's one thing to say, oh, well, drivers will go for the move into a corner. It's entirely another to clumsily ram into each other going in a straight fucking line. Yeah, and it's a shame that Chris can't be here for this one because he was very strong on that side of the fence regarding this was a a, a, a driver error. And of course, to a degree, it was. You mean, this is the point that guys like Will Power and Scott Dixon made after the race where they said, listen, you're not going to win a 500-mile race on lap one, but you sure as hell can lose one. And... I don't know why they felt the need to be so aggressive um, on the opening lap of a 500-mile race. I don't get that logic at all, especially when Alex Rossi was was visibly slower than 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 the two. The, obviously, him being the meat in that sandwich was never ideal, but he's significantly slower than the other two cars that were moving on either side of him. Um, you also have to look at the fact that later in the race, you know, you had Simon Pagino and Will Power basically banging wheels for three quarters of a lap, going yeah. for the lead. They were, and they were able to show each way. other. Yeah, they were able to show each other enough respect, and you can say, "Oh, well, they're teammates," but you know, their racecraft was good enough that they could hold that and they could not crash. Teammates and Sato, didn't. Yeah, and Sato and Rossi are better than that incident. Yeah, and. In all fairness, I, I, the, the team makes the teammate excuse doesn't even watch with me either because it didn't stop Joseph Newgarden yeeting Simon Pagano at Gateway when he won his championship last season, yeah, that, yeah, which, which was probably the pass of the year. Um, yeah, they know, made contact in that pass. That could have ended disastrously for both. Yeah, that's the nature of racing drivers. We ride that line very, very closely, and we get buried for being on the even a millimeter on the wrong side of it. it, it that's the brutal knife edge nature of motorsport. I don't f- inherently think the track is to blame for that accident. However, I can also say on the other side of the coin, this track does itself no favors, and. I still find it baffling that we go to a racetrack that has a catch fence that rusty. And as again, as we saw in the middle of the red flag delay, using chicken wire and zip ties to fix a hole in the fence. And you're a driver looking at that going, 
I'm going through this corner at 210 miles an hour, and if something goes wrong, for whatever reason, that is the protection. It's not protection. It's, oof. And, it's and that is the look. place where I will dunk on Pocono for, is that, and, and IndyCar as well, because they sanction the race. Yep. IndyCar needs to institute some sort of minimum quality of repair rule when it comes to the safety facilities such as the walls and the catch fencing because yeah. that's not good enough yeah that's that what that is that's too much like honestly that that is not that is not fit for racing on that is just point blank unacceptable and and i know it's not as simple as you know the track is inherently dangerous because it's not that and I and King I know you'll get into the economics of this because we know Pocono's kind of clinging onto the calendar by a thread already um well and they're caught in a situation right now Mm. which I know King will get into where most of the oval tracks in the United States are effectively owned by two companies and Pocono isn't one of them Mm. and they've struggled financially for quite some time and have not really like people were making the very stretchy comparison to indianapolis the difference is indianapolis has a lot more money to play with they have their safer barriers and they will get round the clock care when it comes to safety year on year because we all know that's where the money is um and don't get me wrong they do a brilliant job with their barriers and their catch fences year on year i mean just ask Sebastian Bordet's pelvis, it could have easily been a hell of a lot worse. Um, and, you know, we've had some horrible-looking accidents in Indianapolis that people have been largely been able to walk away from in recent years. Um, I think, and, and I brought this up last year, um, of course, in the Discord. It wasn't on the show. After Wiccan's crashes, I think, and this is not going to be cheap for anyone who tries to go after this uh, this change... I think catch fencing needs the same fundamental rethink that the safer barriers gave to the walls, which, you know, it's not a debate, has saved multiple drivers' lives. Indeed. And and, and we talked about it. You could make the safer barriers taller. I think that's a good first step to make sure that they can't ride the wall up into the catch fencing. Because that's what happened here. That's what happened with Wiccans. But that doesn't fix the problem that happens when the car meets the catch fencing. Wow. Yeah. And King, I think this is part of the problem here is that Pocono can't afford to have these innovative safe, like, you know, safer barriers put in. Right. Yeah. They like Pocono raceway really wouldn't be able to afford safety improvements, you know, that are that extensive because, you know, it's very open that, you, the track is barely hanging on to the calendar. It, like, it leaked out over the weekend that they proposed to the series that, you know, maybe that they could be around on the calendar once every three years. Yeesh. Yeah, and the problem is, it's not going to get any better if they're taken off the IndyCar calendar. It, well, it's especially only... now, they've got one cup date because it's a double header next year. Yeah. And that's all the yeah. track's going to be living on is effectively one big race date for the year if yeah. IndyCar leaves. 
it's like Silverstone in F1. It's the most popular F1 round on the calendar, but it's barely sustainable because it doesn't get very many massive meetings that, you know, are drawing world-class attendance gate figures throughout the year besides F1. They have MotoGP, but one grandstand's closed off during the weekend. They don't get the 140,000 that F1 does on a race day. You know, yeah, that's... Henry also said it, is that ABC Supply saved this race in the first place, really. Yeah. Indeed. So... You factor in drivers being reckless. You factor in a racetrack that really can't afford to be self-sufficient in or and and developing in terms of safety. Um, a track that you know just doesn't have safe catch fences, unfortunately, um, by any measure. And then throw in a bunch of emotional IndyCar fans that have seen. Probably one disaster too many in the last half decade. Put it in a blender and hit frappe. And uh... IndyCar Twitter was uninhabitable, no matter what side of the fence you were on after this yeah. race. Yeah, yeah after was... after the accident and after it was announced that all the drivers were okay, like I just turned off my phone. Yeah, good shout. Yeah, that was. I should do that more often, to be honest. Um, but. Uh... <laughs> It was ugly. It, I'll take it from King's point of view. It was ugly. And, uh, yeah, it, and it was ugly on all sides. A lot of people that don't normally chip in to IndyCar feedback of want to defend the sanctity of, of hard racing, while at the same time there's probably people that's probably a little bit too emotionally invested in the series to the point where they're probably too far the other way in terms of safety Safety, 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 People everything. saying that IndyCar should never go to a super speedway again over this aren't no. any better than the other side of that problem. No, like, let's still not lose sight of the fact that the vast majority of these super speedway races go off without a hitch. Yeah, they're going to have big accidents. It's inevitable. It's a part of oval racing. But at the same time, this series lives or dies by the 500. And ask ask Cart. Oh right. wait, you can't. Yeah, the series lives or dies by the 500. You cannot feasibly say we can't race at super speedways. You just can't. I we talked about this earlier in the year with IndyCar, and one of our favorite videos we ever did was the 25 and 8 rule segment that we talked about it with, where the series really does you know, hang on by the 500. The other races on the calendar are not worth it to outside sponsors. Not in the slightest. The winner of Pocono went, you know, Will Power got a check for 30 grand for winning at Pocono this past weekend. That's nothing. You'll get m way more than that just for finishing the 500. Dropping the bucket. It, it's, it's, it's not even close. So to say we gotta we gotta get rid of super speedways, no, that's too far a take, and 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 unfortunately that's gonna upset a lot of people. But that's just how it's going to have to be. Can it's we just do like more? The, um... Go ahead, Dre. Yeah, I was gonna say, can we do more to improve safety in these races, especially for the tracks that you know probably need a bit more help in terms of financial backing and help to get it up to a standard where we can feel better about the race that we're watching absolutely like i said a a a chicken wired catch fence is a awful look for the series it is hellaciously bad but 
it doesn't tell the full story and there's a bit more nuance to it than, you know, just saying, oh, we can't do speedways no more. And I'm not on that side of the fence. Just, just wholesale blaming the track and not taking the particulars of the incident in context is kind of like taking an easy way out of actually looking at what happened. And and that's the thing, Cam, on the other side of the coin as well, shutting down any talk about safety at all is equally as toxic, in my opinion, because I believe yes. we have a genuine culture in motorsport where we only talk about safety after something awful happens to someone. And, yeah. and look at what uh, happened with this race, which we'll talk about in a couple minutes. After that, this race was as clean as you like. Yeah, it was a very clean race. We only had two other cautions for individual cars crashing through driver error, nothing to do with any other cars, just standard oval crashes from driver mistakes. It happens. It was a clean race besides that otherwise. Again, as Henry points out, relatively minor incidents. Um Yeah, it you know, it it don't like I, I would say do your best to take yourself out of it from an emotional standpoint. I mean, if you're the sort of person that's looking at this weekend at Pocono and saying never again, I can't blame you. you know, go with your heart at the end of the day because, you know, if you're not comfortable watching a oval race, then I can't, you know, I can't hold that against you. But it's not as simple as to say this track is inherently dangerous or... We can't have any conversations at all about the fact that, hey, maybe this track maybe isn't quite fit for racing on this level. You know. Yeah. And the, re the, the reality is probably somewhere in the middle of that. And it's Which up to us. That's where to, I'm sitting on it, is that, yeah. you know, just going to one extreme or the other doesn't tell the full story of what's going on with this track. And, you know, it's a lot of it is the optics of it. Is that, you know, we had the incident in 2015, which claimed Justin Wilson's life. We had the incident last year. We had this incident. All three happening for their own reasons, but the common denominator is the track. Yeah. It's, it's not ideal, to say the least. Like I said, the reality is probably somewhere in the middle. And, hey, that's probably quite a good metaphor for life in general at the moment that uh we we like to like I, i'd like to think maybe as human beings our brains are automatically wired to go to the most extreme scenario because that's what we believe in with our hearts or with our heads where in reality it's probably somewhere in the middle of that and hey it's up to us as adults to beat our heads together sometimes and figure out where the line is and hey maybe that could work in the grand scheme of things but hey, that's that that that's no metaphor for the outside life at all. <laughs> Not just poker. Life lessons with Motorsport 101. We got we got very deep and woke here, didn't we? But uh, as Henry points out on the Discord, yeah, the main thing we don't forget is that everybody turned out okay, and for once, thank God that was the case. Yeah, Amazing. Also, uh, go on, go, on, go on. Why the fuck did Takuma only get a fine, Chief? Prob Probably because all the cars involved were out of the race, effectively, so what can you really do? Uh, IndyCar doesn't really have a precedent for grid penalties, for example. You know, it's not, like, it's not F1 in that sense, where 
you know, they have they have penalty points and grid penalties they can apply for the next race. You don't get that in IndyCar, and because well, every car involved in the accident was already out of the running. I think all they really could do was find them. I mean, yeah. if you if you if if you, if you sit them for a race, you're setting a very dangerous precedent that's not been done in IndyCar for quite some time. Yeah, it's been like um, at least a decade since anyone's been because they obviously they could sit people for races, but they also used to dock people championship points. Ooh boy, that that's probably that, what I would have done to be honest. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's a, a, a dangerous precedent. Um, but yeah, you know, it's uh, it's uh, it's a lot. Did, did, did we forget to mention there was actually a race after this red flag? I was because say, there was <laughs> it was an actual race, not a full race, of course. Thanks, for yeah, nature. And, and we'll we'll get to that in a minute. But uh, yeah, basically, what had happened was this was meant to be a 500 mile, 200 lap race. However, by about lap 40, it was kind of becoming evidently clear that we were going to get another storm in the area, around half distance, which is precisely what happened. And in the realm of IndyCar land, if you hear the with weather reports, if there is lightning within seven miles of the track. You have to call it, basically, because it is a huge safety risk. Um, well, sadly, a helicopter port- can't fly. Medical, if the copter can't fly, you can't race. Point blank, period. No, no ifs, no buts. And let's not forget, a fan actually died here at this track in, during the NASCAR season in 2000 for being struck by a lightning bolt while in the stands. So, you know, don't think it can't happen. It has. <laughs> it can and it will. So uh, yeah, we only got a uh, we we had a, we had a shortened race. We only got I want to say 120 something laps in in the end. I'm just double checking. 128. Yeah. Um. Obviously they 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 go back one after the red flag, but we only had 128 out of the 200 laps in the end. And uh, well, the key moment of the race, with the not that we knew it at the time was after that first restart where they, they do the two laps of, of yellow flag running before they get going again and Will Power came in dropped to the back of the field for a new set of tyres and pitted off sequence and yeah, uh flat tyre you had a puncture oh I had a puncture didn't know that no they didn't say that during the broadcast funnily enough um but yeah they had a puncture had to get going again um and had to, had to, had to come through that off sequence pit that off sequence pitting from Team Penske forced obviously it worked out quite beautifully in the end because he ended up coming through the field and eventually winning by a mile. <laughs> it was a it was a strange one, Cam, to say the least. Yeah, of course. After the restart, my own personal boy Simon Pagano and Scott Dixon just basically raced each other away from the field. They were absolutely yeah. in a class of their own to start the race. Um, Pagano looking like he did at the 500, where it didn't matter how quick you were on the straights because Simon was so quick in the corners that he'd pull away. Yeah, his exit speed was off the charts um, during many parts of many many parts of the race. The, it did have one fatal flaw, Cam, wasn't it? <laughs> Your man's sitting on the racing line. <laughs> Are you still After mad about crash, James Hitchcliffe? He's getting fired into the sun. I swear to God. No don't McLaren. you think I, I ain't don't, no don't, arrow McLaren C for him? Don't, don't you think I've suffered enough this weekend? 
You got a birthday call from your boy. Sit down. He was taken out in a wreck on the opening lap. My boy got cost a win. He finished third. He's still in the title race. Shut up. And if anything, of title race. The speaking of title race, championship implications. Yes, because despite being caught up in the wreck, uh, Andretti Autosport were were able to repair Alex Rossi's car and his teammate Hunter Ray and get them back out on track. Though, because they were listed as being retired from the race, uh, they were penalized ten laps each for re-entering was, their cars. It was the uh, it was the rule of working on the car under red flag, which is a minimum of a two lap penalty, and then they add more laps depending on how extensive that work is. Yeah. Well, as it stood, yeah. they had to replace the whole right side of Rossi's car and the gearbox. Duct tape. It's your best friend. <laughs> Who doesn't I love some duct tape? I saw this car in half. Once we put it back together again with flex tape. Um, <laughs> there's a meme there waiting to be written. But yes, the, the, um, Rossi was docked 10 laps. They were able to get it going again. He completed 39 laps in the end. And this ended up being significant and great work from Andretti to get the car back out there. Every point matters in this title fight. Although, he was a bit unlucky because Spencer Piggott caused an, a caution in the early running after hitting the wall. If the race goes on for one lap longer, Rossi overtakes Piggott for 17th place on laps completed. And that cost him another point. Um, only 12 instead of 13. Like both uh, Pigger and Rossi only completed 39 laps on the day. One more lap, or in other words, maybe one lap taken away from the countback rule, and Rossi would have finished in 17th rather than 18th. Bad luck, sport. Um, and as we've seen with IndyCar title fights lately, with the double points at the final round, now at Laguna Seca, every point counts. Indeed. Yeah, that's why James Hinchcliffe was back out there as well. Um, in, in in the early going, and the end, as Henry points out, he's far from out of this title race just yet. He's just he lost a chunk of points. If anything, New Gardens earned the reprieve for what happened in Mid Ohio and his uh, idiotic dive bomb attempt on Hunter Ray last time round. And uh, he's actually kind of earned the reprieve because he would go on to finish the race in fifth yeah. in the end. As well um, as Pagano slowly creeping back in after a slump after the 500. Well, that's the point. New Garden's got a bigger cushion directly behind him, but he's now slowly brought Pagano and, and, and Dixon back into play because they, they were second and third, respectively, on the day. And once um, again, Scott Dixon, endless. The man never goes away. Yeah, I, I joked about this four rounds ago with my brother where I said, yeah, Dixon's 100 points back. He, the, 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 he, he can't win this title this year. And next thing you know... He's 50-odd points away, and He's I'm like, oh, no. Dick Dixon's at it again. <laughs> and, and, and the thing he is, just does this, this. Yeah. He's just... He just has this ability to pull something from nothing. Every time, without fail. And he very quietly went about his business and finished in second. Um, a critical, critical performance for the title. Um, yeah, Dixon goes and pulls one out of the hat again. It was, uh, I don't know how he keeps doing this. He's, he's ridiculous, Scott Dixon. Uh, I, I, uh, what a wow. Wow, what a, what a driver. Say, I mean, Ganassi likes winners. He's the ultimate winner. He just does this shit. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, 
you know, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's a crazy thing. Running down the, the full result, and we'll get to some interesting stops along the way here. Will Power taking the win after, again, the race was red flagged after 128 laps. For those who don't know, any race distance over 50% an IndyCar can call it at their discretion. Um, so, yeah, they did, 120, they did more than 101, so they called the results after 128, after they knew there was no chance of a restart happening anytime soon. Yeah, with um, Will Power. Penske strategist, take a bow. You earned your paycheck. Brutal work from the Penske strategy department on that one. And, and Power now extends his record to 13 straight years with at least one win uh, in a go. season. Roger Penske is the strategist. That explains everything. Yeah, that explains a lot, quite frankly. But uh, yeah, Power gets the job done over the line. 13th consecutive year with a race win in a season. He just does this shit. He's just, he's still, let's not forget, Will Power on his day is hellaciously fast. And this was no exception. He won by over five seconds in Once the end. Once again, that loss, I'll say it. Who would have thought a few years ago, Will Power, Oval Master. He's now the best Oval Runner in the field. I don't understand how this happened in the space of two years. Hey, went how from many that being championships a... did he lose sucking on Ovals? Three, maybe four, like Jesus, I, I, like power was like power was like that was a legitimate hole in his game, and it's now arguably his strongest tool. I don't understand it. Like I, I don't know how power's been able to suddenly win like ten oval races in the last three years, but here we are, including the five hundred in the middle of it too. It's yeah. uh, it, it's nuts. Power taking the win by just over five seconds in the end. Scott Dixon. In second, a critical 41 points for his title campaign. He just keeps doing this shit. It's ridiculous. Simon Pagano will be a bit mad, given he led half the laps of the race that was run, 64 out of 128. But still valuable points for his title campaign, including the three bonus points for leading a lap and leading the most laps. So he, get, he takes 38 home instead. He's back, He's well back in title contention again. So keep half an eye on that one. We'll get to the leaderboard in a minute. Again. We're seeing Pagano start to flash his 2016 form where every couple of races uh -oh. he will just beat the field down. Remember, we got Gateway next week. He was He's strong around there too. Forget um, that. So Laguna Seca. In sports cars, he was a missile around Laguna Seca. Certainly one to keep an eye on. In fourth... And I think that's a career-high finish for Santino Ferrucci, who, you know, was a, was the benefactor of a bit of luck at the, in that lap one incident. He just basically yeeted it around the outside when he saw the accident take place in front of him, and he gained about six places. Um, but his pace was great in the entire rest of the Grand Prix. Dear, like, dear NBC, can you please stop licking this man's boots? Like, it's... We don't need to hear about how, oh... He did some things that FIA frowned upon. He's an unabashed <laughs> racist! Like, like, King, did you get the broadcast in the media center? Uh, yeah, uh, no, I was in the, I was in the, the pit side stands, but I did have a headset with the, with the NBC broadcast. Oh my god. Like, I ha I, I have to talk about this. And I like that Steve in the, in the chat goes, Dre, you thought Keith Hewen was bad. And I'm like, no! No, 
Ferrucci is way worse. Like, if anything, and I'll be fair to Keith Ewan, he's toned that shit down this year. He really has. I have to actually commend Ewan. I think it might have been whispered in his ear, listen, the, like, the Rossi nut-hugging is a bit too strong here. Like, I swear to, like, and Henry's not joking when he says it in the Discord chat. They were waxing lyrical over this dude. Like, they are desperate for Ferrucci to be the next big American superstar in this sport. And I don't understand it when Colton Herter is right there. <laughs> like, forget, forget, forget even those two. Two American stars going blow for blow for the championship right now. The two best drivers, like two of the three best drivers in this series right now are American and under the age of 30. I don't understand... When you've got two handsome all-star elite drivers in New Garden and, and 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 Rossi leading the charge, going blow and going blow for blow for the championship, you have Colton Herta, you have Graham Rahal, who's still a top ten guy pretty much every weekend. Like we, IndyCar went from being drained of American talent to being stacked with American talent in the space of maybe three or four years. And, and I, I don't understand why they feel the need to not hug Santino Ferrucci so hard, who, as as Cam alluded to, is an brackets alleged unrepentant racist. Like, and I have it, I have that on good authority from people in the paddock who have seen with their own eyes things that would, and I quote, end the dude's public career. And just I, because I, I just, he's gotten better at hiding it doesn't mean he it was, still isn't that way. Yeah, I, ugh, I, I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense. I don't understand why you've got a vast array of American talent that is sprayed out all over the field, and yet this guy demands all the focus. Like, do we like? Is this, is this a sports media thing? Do we love a redemption story that much? I think we do. It's like it's it's like cricket here in the UK right now with Steve Smith after he got caught in after he got caught in the sandpaper scandal. And now because he's batting stupidly well again, it's like we're all just gonna forget the fact he was captain of a cheating Aussie cricket side. Like but, you but can't the thing like, is, if, it's if, a big asterisk yeah, at best. The, the thing is, <laughs> if you if you cheat at a sport but then win clean. That's an actual redemption. If you're racist, then just happen to win. It doesn't mean that you stop being racist. Yeah, and Henry's right. Ferrucci is half the broadcast at this point. Yeah, it is nuts. I don't understand it. It's like they're trying to force through a redemption story, but the audience watching is too intelligent to take the bait for it. Because... Lee Diffie was put on blast for this during the broadcast. And I, to be fair, I, I, I added my sense to this as well. I said on Twitter last night, Hey, hey, at Lee Diffie, do you want to tell the viewers at home what exactly caused Fruity to lose his license? Because They're never going to say did. it on the broadcast. Because if, if they did, did, that narrative is dead and gone. Although, to be fair, like, U.S. stock in racists is at an all-time high. I'm just, you know, maybe it would have wrong. the opposite effect. You're not <laughs> like, wrong. Maybe, like, maybe it would have the opposite effect. You know what, Lee? Tell them what it was on the broadcast. Go on, I dare you. <laughs> yeah, and but that, little did I know that at this point in the year, I'd be pining for Scott Goodyear and Eddie Cheever on commentary again. Because it's exhausting. Oh. Oh lord, has it really gotten to that point already? Jesus! Oh, oh no 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 no! Lord. 
yeah, like, guys, I get it. You can praise Santino's ability because it's clearly there. Like, I'm not denying this. The guy's driven very well this season. I'm not going to take that away from him. I'm not stupid. But it's impossible. He's He is impossible to root for. I don't... Anyone with a functioning brain... And I'm not going to lie to you. As a person of colour, I cannot root for that asshole. I just can't do it. Um, so, you know, if, 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 if NBC want to piss on my head and call it rain... You're not going to get very many positive things coming out of my mouth regarding the coverage. That's all I'm saying. Joseph Newgarden, as mentioned, in fifth. Again, a another solid top five for his title campaign. Extending his lead. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, Uncle Ed Carpenter in sixth place. Very quietly went about his business on this one. And a good result for Ed Carpenter there. A couple really um, solid moves during the race as well. He did. Bold. Hard, good stuff from Ed, from Ed Carpenter. That's the Ed I actually like to see on ovals. Good good stuff. Um, Sebastian Bourdais, um, he kind of led the second group of guys around, really. He was in seventh ahead of Tony Kanaan in eighth for Foyt. Great result. Well done, TK. <laughs> when, King, where the hell did he pull that one out of? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know where they got the speed. I really, really don't know. ABC Supply Sponsorship. <laughs> It's worth an extra half second. Who knew? <laughs> Can't have that. Graham Rahal in his favourite position of ninth. Um, Charlie Kimball in the top ten. Hey! Carlin looked okay on the oval. Good to see. Yeah, Good like to I, see. Saw, I saw Charlie on the Friday, and he was very confident about his chances. And I, I, I didn't push him on it, because like, part of me was like, just wanted to come with a simple reply, but you're in a Carlin, though. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of an like... operative problem now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's, it is becoming a bit of an issue, that. But hey, top 10 for Kimball, no complaints there. Great well, drive. Fact, Connor... was actually, sorry to cut you off, but it was actually yeah, one sure. of the quicker Chevrolets in that um, one practice session that we had, but of course, with the point situation, we shifted to the back of the field. Indeed, yeah, the championship war that kind of screwed him on that one of him being a part-timer this year. Connor Daly in 11th. Nice. Good job from Connor on that one. Marcus Eriksson, 12th in the other SPM car. Zach Veach, a very lonely 13th out there. Ahead of Matt Leist in 14th. Marco Andretti, who had arguably the quote of the weekend, over the, uh, um, as, as Zoe texted me after it happened, after the lap one incident. And you know what? I will actually open my phone and I will give you the exact quote what it was. Give me just a second here. Hang on. Yep, Zoe. And, and yep. The quote was Marco on the radio after that crash. <clears throat> and pardon my French here. Fuck this fucking place. Um, <laughs> you be the judge on that one. Uh, he was a lap down on, on the day. Colton Herter in 16th. Sadly, he crashed out on his own. Nasty one on the inside of the turn two fence. Um, he was okay. Spencer Piggott, he also crashed, unfortunately, caused a caution in the yeah, early going, as mentioned. Worth noting, Piggott, he had something mechanical on his car fail. Oh, shit. Yeah. <sighs> well, that's not nice. Oh, dear. Um, thankfully, again, he was okay. And then we get to the five DNFs, that, or sort of DNFs that happened um, at the back of the field from that opening lap incident, various degrees of uh, being able to continue. Alex Rossi in 18th, he got 39 laps in. Ryan Hunter Ray 19th again, got his car back going again um, in 19th. James Hinchcliffe 20th. 
Um, Takuma Sato and Felix Rosenquist's cars were too badly damaged to continue. Felix had to go to, a, to the medical center anyway, so there was no chance of him going back in the car on the same day. But so yeah, Takuma in 21st. Never again, Sato. Um, was probably going to be the new nickname for him at this point. And Felix in the back of the field in 22nd. Championship as it stands with three rounds to go. Joseph Newgard now leads by 35 points over Alex Rossi. Now, that's one part of the story. The other half of the story, it's bunched everybody in. Um, Simon Pagano is now only 40 points away um, in third on 495. And Scott Dixon is now only 52 points off the top. After his second place finish, he's on 483 to Joseph's 535. The best of the rest, Will Power in fifth on 407, ahead of Ryan Hunter Ray on 344, Graham Rahal on 334, Takuma Sato on 331, Felix um, on 304, still just about leading the Rookie of the Year quest, um, ahead of Seb Bourdais in running off the top 10 on 300 points. IndyCar returns this weekend at Gateway. Um, that should be a fun one. Another good old short oval. Who's going to yeet the hell out of somebody into turn one this year? Um, I think um, it's also worth noting it effectively is down to those four at the top for the title. But the 50-point gap, make no mistake, that's nothing with the double points in Laguna Seca. Pretty much. It's uh, it's a thing, and uh, yeah, we don't know what's going to happen. I think there is still clearly at least one more twist in this title tale yet to you've yet to see, just yet. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to see what happens. Gateway should be a very fun race. We're probably bound to get at least like one Alex Rossi mega save, one yeet into turn one of some kind. And someone really funny sponsoring the lap because Gateway does that. Sadly, we didn't we didn't get a chance to uh, renew our lap sponsorship like we did last year. Maybe 2020 will bring that back. <laughs> but uh, the return, but, uh, yeah, mm -hmm. the return of the sponsored lap because we um so uh, yeah we'll have to wait and see on that front. But uh, yeah, Gateway this weekend. Check it out. I hope you enjoy the show. Right. Let's get into the news before we get out of here, because we have a little bit of news to get through, and uh, some some interesting stuff. King, you wanted to talk a little bit about Grid, which I think is fun. Oh, <laughs> Lord. Grid has decided to effectively shape their game around one person, and that one person <laughs> is the two-time Formula One World Drivers Champion, Fernando Alonso. Oh, boy. Fred, watch. He's going to the virtual world. <laughs> Man, that... <laughs> now I'm just picturing him being sucked into a PC. It's like it's Scott Pilgrim versus the world all over again, only in racing car form, and... Like, is, is Fernando's, like, evil ex-boyfriends all his old team bosses he's pissed off over the years, I wonder. The final boss of it is Lewis Hamilton. So, oh, Lord. So, uh, Codemasters game director Chris Smith has confirmed that uh, the, quote, final showdown in career mode is a face-to-face -face battle with Fernando Alonso in his championship-winning Renault R26. 
Reliving better Ooh. days, are we, Fernando? <laughs> <laughs> Those guys who were unaware, that is his title-winning car from 2006. Yep, That's, and uh, it is noted that Fernando's AI is more aggressive and skilled than the regular AI. <laughs> because of course it is. <laughs> Will it hold me up in the pit lane? I don't know. <laughs> Probably. Oh dear. Is he going to yeet me off at the Curva, uh, Curva Grande like he did when he was at Ferrari back in the day? Actually, no. Is he going to is he gonna try and do a yield or crash move at turn one and then crash himself out of the title like 2012? Ooh, spicy. Um. Yeah, a quote from Smith. Fernando plays it a few times, like, plays it a few times, and if anything goes awry, he gives us comments and tells us a couple stories. Then we also get him for marketing. He gives us a little, he gives us a little feedback and tells us if it's terrible, so he's not a figurehead. <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, I kind of had a hunch, given how much that he was in, like, the preview builds and the early hype trailers for the game. I had a feeling he'd have a bigger influence than just being a, you know, a, an advisor or, you know, or anything like that, because many people have probably seen on social media his, uh, interaction with the crew in his museum um, and whatnot, and obviously uh, Jamie Chadwick would be in there as well as an influencer for the game and whatnot. I didn't realise he was going to be the final boss of the game, and I'm actually kind of annoyed by this, um, And I tell you, but not for the reasons you think. Now, hear me out on this one, because everyone's going to be, like, starting to, like, you know, hold their baseball bats going... But Dre, you don't like Fernando very much. And while that is true, <laughs> I'm not denying this, like, that's not the issue I've got. Most people that know me well know that I was a racing game Let's Player in, an, in the not-too-distant past, and probably my favourite series I ever did was Let's Play in Grid, the original, from, I think, 2006. And it's one of my favourite games of all time, so I'm obviously really fucking hyped for this one coming out in October. Um... The final showdown in that race was between you and Raven West. And you were facing either Rick Scott or Adrian McCain. And I, I loved that element of grid that you've been battling these fast Raven West bastards for the entire game. And that was the final showdown. Like a one-on-one -on -one race in Koenigsegg's round Le Mans. I thought that was awesome. I, I loved that. I'm not such a fan of making Fernando Alonso the final boss when Raven West is an iconic part of the game. What if, hear me out, Fernando Alonso is a part of Raven West? I'd be deeply conflicted. <laughs> it's all connected, man. It would be like the devil cult watching Bob Ross when he says he beats the devil out of his brush every time he hits it against his friggin' canvas. It's just deep mental conflict. <laughs> right, right there, right there. I just, ooh, I, I don't know. Like, if he was a, you know what? I could, I could get behind Fernando being a part of Raven West. That would be a nice plot twist. Hmm. Cody's give King full credit for that. I, 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 think he, I think he deserves royalties for this. I'm just, I'm just saying. I want to see the man get paid. Okay, <laughs> there's an idea. Stick it in the game. You delayed it till October, after all. You got time to put it in there, right? <laughs> there's an idea for you. But, but uh, yeah, in case you guys, the DPIs. Of course you will. One-handed, obviously. Um, Grid out on October 8th on Xbox One, PS4, and PC. 
<laughs> right. Cam, I'll make you feel better. Talk about your beloved favorite meme. Oh. Yeah, big mate. The big mate safety car is coming. <laughs> I can't believe you put this in the news section. <laughs> Look, it's big news. Yes, because big mate will be the foremost safety car in the world. Because obviously, big mate can keep track safe because it'll be impossible to overtake the safety car because it'll take up the full width of the racing surface. You know what, this is, this, I think it's the idea, I think it was put forth by Aggregate, that if we have that as the safety car at Silverstone, and it's raining, it will clear so much water off the track <laughs> that it'll make the racing surface raceable. Oh my god. That's an idea. Well, to be fair, it's going to take up the entire width of the track and probably about three feet of the grass on either side. So, yeah, that could work. There's an idea. But we we, we thought we'd, we'd spend some important seconds on this show saying that Big Mate is alive and well, which is wonderful to see. Big Mate because will we live love on forever. Get that paycheck, Big Mate. Get, get your bread, Big Mate. Get your bread. And that's what I say. Um... I have to talk about this as well because MotoGP had their first ever test at the Kai uh, the, the, the Kaimi Ring today. I had to be I had to be careful how to pronounce it because I very nearly called it the Kimi Ring there <laughs> because given it's in Finland, it was almost too big a joke to ignore. Um, it's like it's like it, it comes like Dre, come on, call it the Kimi Ring. You know you want to, yeah, you, you, you really do. And I, I it's it's interesting because I want to give credit to Tammy Garali for this thread because. He's one of the main journalists um, for MotoGP in Israel. And she was there for the test and riders were talking about it. And uh, I'll read out a good chunk of this uh, thread and it makes for quite interesting reading. <clears throat> so about the track, while all riders acknowledged that this is that this is the first outing and that the weather was bad, it was heavy rain out there in Finland. Um, brackets, shit and crap were their words. I love that they did need a detail on that bit. Thanks, Tammy. They are critical of the track layout, but it is it's because there is still time to fix it. We have a year, basically, they said in brackets. Riders say that the track is slow. From turn five, the riding was in first and second gear with two to three seconds in third, according to Michele Pirro. That's Ducati's official test rider. And as we have to nickname him on this show, world's fastest policeman. Um, there is only one good passing spot, turn five, and the rest is problematic as there is only one real line. Straights are not really straight and the bikes are swerving. There's a big bump in turn one and the drainage issue needs fixing. Riders agree that they would prefer if turn five will lead to turn eight so that area is faster. At the moment, the track feels as if it was designed for karting as it's very twisty, but they do all love the elevation. It's different from all they have seen. Piro wondered why this is the design when there is so much area around and it's not like the classic track where there is no space so it's tight and twisty. I have, to, I have to say that it feels a bit like the road around the track with many blind corners. End quote. It's interesting. I mean, I've seen the layout and it's it does look slow and it does look overly twisty. It reminds me a lot of Argentina's current layout at the moment. If anyone's seen the Temas del, del, del Rio Hondo, yeah. it's a lot of technical infield 
parts, which is partly good because I love the elevation parts of Argentina. It certainly makes it more fun to ride around. But, it, but the thing is, it's not too slow. A lot of it's third, fourth gear corners. This one looks slower, and it looks a bit like Kota, where it's like there's only really one feasible line, and they're not... And, Looking at the map right now on my screen, King, it looks like Turn 5 is probably the only passing spot, which isn't ideal, really. Yeah, it looks like it's either Turn 5, uh, maybe the main straight, but that's really pushing it. It look at, As you said, it kind of... It looks too short to me. It, it's a little bit like Coda Sector 3 and Sector 1. It's just all technical, twisty turns. Yeah, it looks like it was designed for a Formula 1 car, being completely honest. Yeah, and I think they... Hasn't Liberty Media been keeping tabs on this with the possibility of an F1 yeah, race the in Finland? Yeah, funding, like, the... Of the, course. The difference in sanctioning fees between MotoGP and Formula 1 is massive. Really? <laughs> it's, it's never mentioned. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, yeah, like, that's... It, it looks nice. I mean, the area around it is beautiful. It looks like it's a, in a lovely part of Finland. And as Henry pointed out, though, it still looks unfinished. Now, don't get me wrong. It's a year out. It will obviously be polished up between now and then. I'm not denying that for a second. But it looks like it could have some fundamental layout problems that hopefully can be addressed. And again, as Tammy said in a thread, they're only pointing this out now because they know they can do something about it within a year, which is a good thing. So, hopefully, there'll be some addressing of that going forward. So, one to keep an eye on, uh, but, you know, promising area, maybe not quite the track is uh, quite there yet. Um, so, you know, we'll have to wait and see how that goes. Can talk to me about NASCAR briefly. It was Bristol, baby. And uh one fan favorite round. <laughs> Dale yeah, had and a the moment. crowd. <laughs> yeah, actually, um before we get into the race. Holy shit. Thank goodness Dale and his family is okay. Yes, we, we, we didn't mention this in the set list because uh, the Earnhardts were in a massive plane crash. Um, luckily, everybody is safe and well as far as um, the vague reports have come out. I mean, there's not a lot of big reports on this, but um, the video of it, as Henry points out, is fucking terrifying. Like, the, holy shit. Hours after the fact, there was still fuel burning at the site of the crash. And Honestly, if you... If you looked at that crash with no context and seen the wreckage, you'd have thought, there are no survivors here. Yeah. Like, everybody has to be dead. And that's maximum cynicism there from my part, but you look at the wreckage and you go, oh, and no, 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 how broke. the hell did someone... When the news first yeah. broke and I saw the image and I didn't, we didn't have any word on their condition, I was like, oh no. Yeah. Not a, no I way, thought, not again. Because oh, NASCAR, I suddenly, of course, has a history with... You know, members mm. of the sport losing their lives in plane crashes. The Hendrick crew in 2000, mm. I think it was 2004, defending series champion uh, Alan Kowicki in the early 90s. Yeah. I mean, I personally, as an F1 guy, fact, had flashbacks. Speak of, of yeah. the devil, Dale Earnhardt Jr. just put out a statement on Twitter, which I will post. Oh, nice one. 
The we, actually, we actually caught breaking news and it wasn't after a recording for once. Yeah. Um, let me post this in yeah, the chat I, right now. I, I, you can read it. Yeah, I've got it. Yeah. I'll read a quote. Yeah, thanks. Amy and I want to thank everyone who has lifted us up with phone calls, messages, and prayer since last Thursday. We are truly blessed that all on board escaped with no serious injuries, including our daughter, our two pilots, and our dog, Gus. With respect to the investigation, we will not be speculating or discussing the cause of the accident. I am thankful for the quick response of my pilots, local law enforcement, emergency personnel, and hospital staff. Lastly, Amy and I continue to be very appreciative of the privacy extended to us to, pro to process everything. It has been important to do that together and on our own time. Thank the Lord everybody came out of that okay. I don't quite know how. I am not going to question it. Um, um, but yes, everybody came out okay. Thank heavens for that. Um, yeah. Carry on, Cam. Yeah, and, and fully understandably, um, NBC left Junior off of the commentary team to recover from all of this. Thank Christ, yeah. No, no kidding. And um, during the Xfinity race, Tyler Reddick is continuing to have a terrific title defense season, winning the race after Kyle Busch's engine grenaded. Won the second stage, oh. and his engine started spewing blue smoke right at the end. And that was that. In the cup race, oh, however, dude. that was the real story, because newly on the driver market, Matt Benedetto put on a show. He really did, didn't he? <laughs> I did see clips of this. Yeah, of course, driving for Levine Family Racing, which, despite using Gibbs equipment, is by no means the biggest... Uh, team in the series he led a lot of that race of course finished only second to the primary gibbs car denny hamlin who took the win he was 20 laps away ryan newman i respect how hard you race but when you're making contact with someone to keep yourself on the lead lap don't be that guy Don't be that guy at all. It was not. Yeah, that was not pretty. I did see that, and uh, oh dear, oh dear, that could have been disastrous. Yeah, and of course, that Newman is invested in this. If De Benedetto wins, that kicks Newman out of playoff contention. Oh yeah, of course, playoff implications, etc. Yeah, um, so. actually got to explaining some of the playoff system to some friends of the show, and oh my god. I'm guessing that didn't go well. Oh, there was there was some brains burning. Burning batteries, yeah? That, that sort of vibe, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> but there seems to be one overriding problem with the Benedetto. Right, Cam. It seems that he might actually somehow be a bit too good for his current ride. Yeah, and now that he's been in good equipment this year... He's been, and it isn't too often, because you need to understand, this is not the same deal that Furniture Row Racing had with Gibbs. All Levine gets is equipment. They don't get the level of support that Furniture Row Racing did when they were running with Martin Truex, and of course they won a title beating out the primary Gibbs cars. Mm -hmm. But Benedetto has put on a very good show this year, Was had a great run going at Daytona until he was caught up in the big one. And... 
might be too valuable for Levine to pay his cut. Is he going to be okay if he hits free agency? I think someone will pick him up. I really hope someone does, because uh, I think he's proved it quite a few times this year. He's talented enough to be in this sport. He's talented enough to contend for wins. I hope so. I hope so because, like, I, I can't imagine like us almost getting like a like an almost Jorge Lorenzo esque situation where someone's a bit too good for the open market, but they've left it too late and they may not have a seat. Hi, Johan Zarco. Um, oh. <laughs> King, get your bands, man. If we weren't recording right now. <laughs> Van Gogh are almost out of time this week yep. um, Also but... Next week, trucks are at Canada Expect Woo! someone to be Taken out in the last turn Let's mm, The last corner shove I'm gonna love it It's that time of year again folks Spinning and also, wrecking to the line Yay Also, MotoGP at Silverstone this weekend as well Ugh oh. I, I really hope it doesn't get rained Don't out. I get really rained that... out, please. <laughs> like, Britain, I listen, we're used to you producing shit weather. Can you please just cut us one dry weekend? Because, like, if Silverstone is dry, it's one of the best rounds on the calendar for MotoGP. It, is, it produces tremendous racing in all three classes if, if it can stay dry. That's all I'm asking, okay? Just stay the fuck dry. Let's not put that new tarmac to the test right away. Um, please, for the love of God, it should be a tremendous weekend if it holds up. Of really course, looking forward if to it doesn't, direct system. all of your complaints to at Aggregate UK on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> it really is Tucked. their fault. We're going to get sued for defamation at this rate. You know that, right? <laughs> oh, that, that's a sign that we made it. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a badge of honor. I'm, I'm ending the show now before before King gets us sued. Um, places you can find us one more time. We're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Check, keep an eye out for it later this week. There'll be more very very soon on this. Um, Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter at motorsport underscore 101 and our personal handles at cbuckley917 at ryan eric king and at harrison 101 hd um you can back us financially on patreon if you really like us at patreon.com forward slash motorsport 101 five dollars gets you early access to all of our shows ten bucks gets you into the supporters club of our discord server and you can listen to these shows live as they go out thanks to everybody who joined us tonight and for your input as always invaluable and you can check out all of those details on our website, motorsport101.com. And I think, actually, you know what's actually kind of funny about it? I'm just going to check something real quick. Give me just a second. I'm just checking on SoundCloud. Yeah, this is going to be the 300th show on the Motorsport 101 network. Believe it or not. Oh, the, the, it doesn't 90- count. We don't count Bush wins here. <laughs> How dare you dis- How dare you dismiss our bike life part of, the- part of our history? No, 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 no. Behave. Shut your face.
I'm gonna fight you, King. Just because you're you're mad, your man Zarko quit his team. <laughs> I was I'm gonna sorry, say, I guess so I guess we're not counting any KTM lower class wins anymore, are we? Yeah, like watch they get like kick, they're going to lose Miguel Oliveira to a better team, and King's going to cry oh, in his no. sleep. <laughs> How dare you? You have Lord Binder and this is how you repay us. <laughs> but yes, this is the 300th podcast on the history of the Motorsport 101 network. 208 M101s alongside 92 episodes of Bike Live. So thanks everybody for 300 shows. It's uh, quite the accomplishment. No, we don't quite know how we're still around this long either. But yet, here we are. 300 shows in the books. Thanks, everybody. Um, and of course, like I said, all the details for that on motorsport101.com. All of that good stuff as well. Including some written stuff from me as well on there. I've been doing all the all the, all the, all the medias lately. All, all, all the medias. It's, it's been a fun time for all involved. And uh, shout out to our man RJ who's out there flying to Suzuka right now for, for their 10 hours this weekend as we speak. We're wishing the very best of luck out there. Um, he's going to crush it. I have every confidence in that as well. So hope to see you in a couple of weeks' time, RJ. We miss you. Um, have a great time out there, buddy. I know you're listening in, but uh, have a good one, my man. And, of course, special thanks to Lewis Sudderby, who's actually come back and editing this show as well. Thanks, Lewis. We owe you, buddy. Just, you might not, like... I hope he still actually edits this after he just listened to that last statement with King. There. I'm sorry, Lewis. King, are you trying to get us cancelled? Like, seriously. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> See, man has a good weekend at Pocono and he's out here feeling himself. Oh, dear. I've been Andre Harrison. They've been Cam Buckley and the soon-to-be-released Ryan Eric King. Thank you very much for listening. Yo, sign me like to Benedetto, please. <laughs> Hope King enjoys free agency. Thank you very much for listening. Um, and we'll catch you guys next time for Gateway and MotoGP. Should be a fun time for all involved. Until then, sayonara. Bye! Till next time. And the award for the most awkward Ryan King goodbye of all time. He, he saved the big break for, for episode 300, clearly. Or the, or the 300th show. So, Way to so go, guys, King. That's so that he wasn't awkward as fuck. NASCAR Heat 4. There's going to be a NASCAR Heat 4. And Jeff is Gordon's it gonna be in a, it. Is it actually going to be good? I don't know. Probably not, but Jeff Gordon's in it. He was in Gran Turismo 5. He was in Gran Turismo 5. <laughs> 5. What's the point? <laughs> and he could be your spotter. And, uh... Dre, and... get the fuck out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> but it's comfy in here. <laughs> and, guys, we could relive all our upstate New York nightmares because in the Extreme Dirt Tour, we'll feature driver and team owner Tony Stewart.
There is many, many car-related jokes I could make here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, lordy. Good night, everybody. Bye.